Welcome, everyone. Glad to see the public is uh, participating this evening. And again, welcome to the City of Palm Coast Council Business Meeting. Today is Tuesday, December the 7th, 2021. It is now 6 p.m., and we are in the community wing of the City Hall building in Town Center. Um, with that, um, I would like to ask everyone to uh, call to order, okay, and rise with, join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The clerk would make call the roll, please. Yes, Mayor Alfin. Present. Vice Mayor Bronchino. Right here. Councilmember Barbosa. Present. Councilmember Danko. Here. Councilmember Klufus. Present. Mayor, all members are present. Thank you. The agenda now calls for our public participation. And again, I thank the public for uh, coming out to uh, participate uh, this evening. As is customary in our um, council meetings, uh, each speaker addressing the podium, addressing city council, will have three minutes. Um, that's for the courtesy of all of the other speakers and the attendees as well. So the other comment I will make so that the public is aware, every public comment is noted in the minutes of each meeting. The purpose for that is so that city staff can go back to those comments and answer clearly, concisely, and correctly. Every comment that is a question or requests information will be responded to by city staff. Many times these comments require interdepartmental consideration and we want to make sure that we deliver all of the information that you are entitled and you deserve to get. So with that, I would invite the first speaker this evening to address the podium. Good evening, Mayor Alfin and City Council members. My name is Mark Lewis. My wife and I have lived at 15 Cottonwood Court, Palm Coast. We live on one of the city's owned canals. I'm here tonight to speak in favor of saltwater canal maintenance and dredging. We bought our home here almost eight years ago. Over the years, we've watched Palm Coast work to improve the amenities and add new ones. Mayor Alfin, I've heard you discuss several times that these amenities and recreational features and a well-maintained infrastructure are good for all citizens and visitors to Palm Coast and helps to maintain property values. I agree. Property values translate to property tax assessments, which then help fund all city departments. Recent major improvements to recreational infrastructure include James F. Holland Memorial Park, Long Creek Nature Preserve, Palm Coast Aquatic Center, Memorial Park Intercoastal Waterway Trail, World Class Tennis Center, Pickleball Courts, Golf Club, you know the list is long and very impressive. What is missing is the routine dredging and maintenance of one of the first recreational attractions, our remarkable saltwater canals. 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I've been told the city doesn't consider the canals a boating waterway and it's only considered drainage. We have many aids to navigation on the canals, wake limit buoys, bridge height boards, even shallow water warnings. We're allowed to build docks and boat lifts for boating, recreation, and jet skis and water, you know, uh, kayaks, canoes, boats. The saltwater canals aren't just drainage ditches. On coast canal homes are assessed significantly higher than non-canal homes. We pay much more than our non-canal neighbors in property tax. Canal homeowners are required to maintain our seawalls, bulkheads, and docks by code enforcement. Why is the city advocating the maintenance of the canals they own in our backyard? Original canal depths were 8 to 12 feet when dredged, and the Palm Coast website has a depth map from 2005 that shows that many canals have been silted in and are 2 to 4 feet deep at mean sea level. The condition of our canals, canals is deteriorating and is sorely needed attention. I respectfully request two things. One, maintenance. I think code enforcement could tag along perhaps with the COP Flagler County Sheriff's boat to identify dangerous docks and deteriorating seawalls. And two, I ask that a dredging schedule be formulated and funded for saltwater canal restoration on a rotating schedule similar to the freshwater schedule. I don't, perhaps the funding comes from additional stormwater fees Please don't exhort, ignore our canals. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comment. I would invite the next speaker to the podium. Good evening, Pomco City Council, Cornelia Downing Manfrey, 28 Lakeside Drive. I wanted to come to you this evening as to address um, some conversation that has come about about the city manager position and the choosing of a city manager and the possibility of re-advertising the city manager position after it has been advertised. I recommend that we stay the course where we are right now. You've had 91 or 84 applicants come through. It's gotten down to four applicants, one of whom I proudly say is my husband, Jim Manfred. Um, Mr. Mayor, I'd like to have permission to read a letter that came to me today by a local resident who could not be here. May I? Dear Mayor at Palm Coast City Council, it has come to my attention that former Flagler County Sheriff and current local attorney James Manfrey has recently applied for the position of Palm Coast City Manager. It is my belief that Attorney Manfrey possesses the qualifications necessary to be the type of city manager that the city of Palm Coast currently needs. No other candidate I know possesses the extensive knowledge and competencies required when it comes down to managerial skills and work experience. During his tenure in both private, and private practice and real estate as a broker associate, Attorney Manfrey represented large land development companies seeking to develop properties, manage land use approval process of four multi-million dollar commercial residential projects. Attorney Manfrey was subsequently able to parlay his acquired knowledge for experience while sheriff to manage, design, and construct the three major facilities for the Flagler County Sheriff's Office thus increasing the projected FCSO operation center space by 40%, all while staying within budget. Because Attorney Manfrey has demonstrably been committed to the welfare of Flagler County and the city of Palm Coast for the past 22 years, it is inconceivable for me to believe that any other candidate, especially someone not from here, would make a better choice. 
I implore you to please consider staying the course and complete the interview process with the four candidates that have been chosen by you, our city council. I've been married to this man for the last 38 years. He's a Phi Beta Kappa, magna cum laude from Fordham University, admitted to the bar in New York and Florida. We have lived in this community for 22 years, raised our three children here, and we are proud to call Punk Coast our home. I am proud to have Jim Manfred be our city manager. Please reconsider. It is important to stay the course. We've gone through a year and a half of troubled times. Let's right the ship. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Uh, the next speaker, please. Uh, good evening, Mr. Mayor, members of City Council. My name is Dave Taylor. I have been a uh, resident of either Palm Coast, uh, Flagler County. I also have a business in Palm Coast uh, at 15 Hargrove Grade. Uh, I am here tonight also to support Jim Manfrey for the position of city manager. Uh, I think I've sent each of you today an email, again, indicating my support. I'm not going to repeat, obviously, his credentials, I believe, are impeccable. I believe that it's so important for us to be able to have someone who really understands this area, knows this area, knows not, not only knows the area, but knows the issues we're dealing with. Over the years, 20 years that I've been here, I've known Jim for almost all 20 of those years. Even though we've had difference of opinion on certain political things, the one thing that I find Jim to be is completely trustworthy. He is the kind of person who is a fiscal uh, conservative, and he will be able to manage within a budget, unlike what I believe happens a lot in a political situation. He doesn't like spending what I call OPM, other people's money. And I believe that uh, he would be the one there's no use to me. I don't understand why we're considering even going out for a national search. I think it would be a waste of time and a waste of money to do that when we have the perfect candidate right here. And it's time to give someone here a chance to see, you know, to, to, to do the job. Because, again, as I said, I believe it's tremendously important that we have someone here who really has that kind of background he has and who knows the issues and has a love and vested interest in this area. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comment. Uh, the next speaker, please. Uh, Mr. Mayor and Council Members, uh, I too am here to speak on behalf of... Please, uh, just, just for the record, please introduce yourself. Oh, Mike Cochiola. I live in Palm Coast. Thank you. Um, I'm here to speak on behalf of, of uh, not... Uh, going further with a selection process, we have uh, four candidates apparently, and I am here to endorse uh, Jim Manfrey for the position of uh, city manager, and I'll tell you why. Uh, one is I agree with the previous speaker that going out with a nationwide search will dig up more candidates, but you already had something like 90 or so candidates, you're down to four, you go out, you're going to spend time and money, get 90 more candidates, you're going to get down to four. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's a waste of time and money. It hasn't worked out too much in the past. I really think it's very important, incredibly important, that we select somebody in the city who knows this city. That's the most important attribute that we can find is somebody who understands the city, understands the character of the city, and works within that 
character to bring out the best of the city staff, to work with the council, to work with the sheriff's office, to work with the commission. Now, uh, I've known Jim for a long time, and uh, he's a leader. And that's the, the second most uh, important attribute of a city manager, is leadership. Remember, the city manager does not have to know more of the financial aspects than the budget chief, or more of the engineering aspects than the head of the public works, or more of anything. What the city manager has to do is take those talents and bring them out to the benefit of this city, to encourage those talents, to hone those talents, and make them work for the city of Palm Coast. The city manager doesn't have to have all of those skills. Leadership is the important thing here, leadership. Right now, and I'm convinced of this, I'm not just saying it, any one of you sitting on this dais can probably make a great city manager because you wouldn't be here if you weren't leaders. And so I'm speaking up for Jim. I think he is the right person at the right time for the right job. I know he will lead this city into the future. I know he will work with you as a absolute partner. I know he will work with the county commission, the sheriff's office, the state, and anybody else that he has to uh, work with. So I wish you would give that strong consideration, and I thank you for letting me speak. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Uh, next speaker, please. Good evening, Mayor, Council Members. I'm Mike Martin. I live in Montanzas Woods. Most of you, I think, know me. I just came here to thank you for acting on my request about a month ago to give us our neighborhood signs back in Montanzas Woods. Uh, the city staff has informed me that you've made it a priority issue. So I thank you because I think we've waited long enough to get our signs back. So I just want to say thank you for listening. People say you can't fight City Hall, but they don't realize you don't have to fight. You can just ask sometimes. So thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you for your comment. Uh, the next speaker, please. Good evening, Mr. Mayor. I'm here um, to talk about the saltwater canals. If you would just introduce yourself for the record, yes. please. Um, my name is Jan Castaneda. I live at Six Collier Court. Anyway, it's important to me that we look at this beautiful amenity and we take care of it. It is owned by the city. It was dredged just before the city acquired the, all of the city of Palm Coast properties. It's a significant part of the storm drainage infrastructure. And, but that storm drainage allows dirt, debris, chemicals from the streets and the lawns to drain right into the canals. And this is not only creating a silt buildup, which makes it more difficult for boats, the ones with the large keels, to go out unless it's low tide, but it also is affecting marine life, the fish and the fauna. And it, now there's overflow on the seawalls that didn't happen before except maybe you know, during a hurricane. So it is time that we do something. And my question, and the way we could first step, I think, is to um, perform a study. Because I think in everybody's mind, we haven't done anything in over 20 years. And we think it's this huge no number. Nobody has really broken it down. What can we do? Can we filter through the drainage systems? That, that's what Marco Island does. There's maybe different ideas that we haven't even explored. I read an article in Spain. They take the dredged material and they actually put it on the beaches to you know, support when the beaches start losing some sand. So I think there's some great ideas, but we need to get a study going. 
Once we do that, we'll have a better direction as what we can do are there grants. There's just so many things that we haven't explored yet. For the city, what's important for the city? You want big business here. Well, I think having the saltwater canals and the, the beautiful land that it is is attractive for their management. If the city continues to turn a blind eye to the maintenance of the saltwater canals, you're exposing us. The city is exposing themselves to environmental concerns. And these guys, get they have grants, and they can go after cities. I don't want our money spent on lawyers. I'd rather have our money spent on cleaning it up and keeping it pristine. And bottom line, it is a responsibility, and it's the right thing to do. So I hope everyone here on the council um, listens and take at least the first step, and then we can go from there. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comment. Will the next speaker approach, please? Robin McDonald, Palm Coast. When, people, when people decide to move to Palm Coast, they find out that we have a freight train that runs through Bunnell that you can hear every night. We have an airport. We have major highways, 95 and US-1. We have golf courses. And we even have these things called canals. You, the resident, chose or not to choose to live here in Palm Coast. When something goes wrong, it should not be the responsibility of the city to fix it. Remember, you, the resident, chose to live in Palm Coast and to live on a canal. I'm going on public record right now, December 7th, that if the city should choose to pay for an estimate or the repairs of the canal, I personally promise you that I will start a campaign of the citizens who do not live on the canal, who really feel that they shouldn't pay for someone else's repairs. And we will start a petition to stop the city from wasting people public funds when there are other projects that need a lot more attention to them. Remember, you, the council, were all elected to represent all of the residents, not just special interests or those who feel that the city should pay for their responsibility. Now, I know you're not supposed to mention a second item, but if I'm wrong, I'm quite sure the mayor will stop me. I remember not too long ago when the mayoral race was up and there were people getting up and publicly making comments about their favorite candidate. If I didn't know better, I'd swear I was at a, a campaign rally because I don't understand why the mayor and, or somebody else didn't stop all these people from campaigning for their favorite candidate. You, the council, will make the right decision. You made the right decision six or eight months ago when you put that young lady right there in that chair. That's the smartest thing you've ever done. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Uh, next speaker, please. Uh, does everyone have a seat in the audience? Do we need more chairs or we're good? 
Mr. Mayor and City Council members, hello. My name is Vladimir Anishkin, and I've been a resident of Palm Coast for just under a year now. What a great city to live, play, and work in. For that, I'm already thankful. I have a request that I'd like you to consider. As a Jewish family living in an age of inclus inclusivity and diversity, I love going outside with my small kids and seeing the holiday spirit celebrated through lights, decorations, and Christmas trees. Three weeks ago, we were passing homes on our drive home, and my son asked, why doesn't anyone put up a menorah, Dad? Great question, I thought. I'm here today to ask that a menorah be included in the holiday festivities where we are today, City Hall. Displaying the menorah alongside a Christmas tree is a precedent that's already set by government entities as large as the White House and as small as the city halls around us, like Ormond Beach and every other surrounding city. My community and I are willing and ready to assist to put up a menorah and maintain it starting next holiday season. Together, let's make sure Palm Coast is doing its part in inclusivity and diversity as we celebrate holiday symbols. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Next speaker, please. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Bob Beck. I've been a resident of Palm Coast since 2003. I come in front of you as a taxpayer resident and a concerned father of two teenage sons. Um, my son is youngest is currently a student at Indian Trails Middle School, where he is um, on the soccer team there. They have, do have a soccer team this year. They were advised by the coach back the week of Thanksgiving that the city had shut the fields down for the entire month of December. Um, they had practices, they had some games lined up, all of that's canceled. The response was, well, the city needs to work on the fields. The one concern I have is that there's not enough fields for everything that is wanting to be done. The city wants to have sports tourism here. They only have five lighted fields, three more unlighted in back of the junior high. They did take away two lit fields and converted those to baseball fields. Holland Park has two baseball fields. They do not have any soccer field. In fact, the soccer fields are not just soccer fields. They're used for lacrosse, flag football, soccer, multiple sports. We've had five, six tournaments this year utilizing those fields. This year, we just had one tournament utilizing the baseball fields. Um, while the city cannot do anything about December, you know, bringing back the practice and stuff for the kids that's already left, I do believe we can do something about getting some more fields at Indian Trails. That's my request, especially if we want to expand your sport tourism, bring more tournaments in. But I ask you don't look at it from an outside tournament perspective. You look at it for the kids of Palm Coast and allowing them to be able to utilize those fields year-round versus just what we can do to bring in outside interest. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Uh, next speaker, please. Good evening, uh, Mr. Mayor, Council. Thanks for the opportunity to speak. My name is Alan Hendry. I also live on a saltwater canal, and I'm here to speak about the city's canal system. The saltwater canals are slowly silting in. It's becoming more and more of a problem for voters. 
it really is time for some form of dredging product project, and I do appreciate that it's in some way made it at least onto the radar of the council. The city owns the council's, uh, sorry, the canals, not the homeowners. They were originally built as a part of Palm Coast infrastructure to attract people interested in water and a boating lifestyle. This is not much different, though, than other Palm Coast infrastructure. Freshwater canals, roads, bridges, swales, the many city parks, water, and sewer lines. They're all maintained by the city for the benefit of the residents. The saltwater canals are open to use by anyone by boat, kayak, or to fish from the parks. The canals have been touted by the city for years as a wonderful asset within the city. The city has a responsibility to maintain all its infrastructure. The city has 1,200 miles of swales, 177 miles of ditches, and 58 miles of salt, uh, freshwater canals, as well as 26 miles of saltwater canals. They all require maintenance at times. The city spends significant money maintaining the swales, ditches, and freshwater canal system, but basically nothing on saltwater canals. The swales and ditches drain into the freshwater canals, and many of them drain into the saltwater canals, bringing silt with them with all that water. They're all part of the infrastructure that keeps the city from flooding. The city, the saltwater canals are approximately 50 years old, and unlike most of the rest of the city infrastructure, they've had close to zero maintenance by the city over the years. In 2005, a study was conducted to look at the water depth of the canals. There were many problem areas, but the city basically did nothing about it, to my knowledge. It's time for the city to invest a little in, the piece, in this piece of city infrastructure. To those who say this is only a problem for the so-called wealthy people living on canals, I would ask they consider the following. Canal residents paid considerably more for their property for one reason, the canals. As a result, they pay much more in property taxes to the city every year. In fact, according to my math, they pay double what others in the city do for similar homes. If the canals are not maintained to a usable depth, can I have 15 seconds? A little less. Okay. Uh, in closing, the canals, both saltwater and freshwater, are a significant asset amenity for the city residents, and they both serve as an important stormwater management function for all of the city residents. I'm asking the city maintain the saltwater canals just as they do the other infrastructure within the city. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Next speaker, please. Mr. Mayor, Council, Gary Kunis, I live in C section. The city raised the freshwater bill for each home to pay for the cost of dredging the freshwater canals. If my numbers are right, point teeth to get them, there's approximately 4,600 docks and seawalls in C section. Tax money after the state gets their share is 2.8 to 3.2 million. If, in fact, the canals were dredged in 86, that would leave you $95 million. 
if it was 96, we'd leave you 67 million to play with to get these canals straightened out. The biggest problem is the people that are cutting the lawns throw tons of grass into the canals. Tons of it. Leaf blowers, the same thing. This fills the silt. That could be an easy fix if we made each lawn person put in a thatching mechanism on their lawnmowers, which would cut the lawn and put it back in the ground, which the St. Augustine grass likes because it's fertilizer. Leaf blowers now have been formulated so they can vacuum instead of blowing the grass into the canals. Put it out for a green day, gone. End of problem. This also could be the fact that a lot of the manatees are getting sick because they're eating this rotten grass on the bottom of the canals. It's time we start maintaining these canals. You you advertise, move to Palm Coast, bring your boat. There's no water in these canals anymore. I had a lot across from me that lost 30 cubic yards of material from erosion because I had no seawall. It undermined the neighbor's foundation. And he's here to speak about that. You have builders that throw stuff in the canal after they're done building. Is the individual called the city? Oh, the city, we can't do anything about that. He ended up calling DER, which made the builder clean it out. This is where you need to go out. I've offered Barbara Grossman many opportunities to go out in the sheriff's boat or mine and look at these canals from the waterway since they can't go on people's properties without permission. There's a lot to see and a lot of things that have to be repaired. And if the people with these walls don't want to repair them, the city should repair them and then back charge the property with interest until it's paid for. We have another lot that has riprap. His property has dropped six to eight inches. And he doesn't want to do anything about it. He knows it, but he won't do anything about it. That's eventually going to go in the canal and close that canal back there totally. We need to do something, and it needs to be done soon. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. <coughs> James Vincent, Palm Coast. I'm a few meetings behind on my comments because of scheduling. However, this is observations from the last 10 months of attending meetings. According to the citizen survey a few months ago, top economic growth and development priorities are preserving natural environment, workforce development, providing job opportunities, protection of our natural resources, saltwater, canals, good, protecting small town character, the need for industrial and commercial development outnumbered the need for residential development. This is on your website. This is the stats, okay? A few months ago, we had a big presentation for Arbor Day, how trees are so important to the environment, yet we're ripping them down, and we just converted almost 200 acres of land from from commercial to residential. Three projects were just approved by the Planning and Zoning Board for development off Bell Terrace, south of Hunter, which will add congestion to that two-lane road alone. You say new residents will bring jobs with them. Certainly, they're not all work-from-home jobs. And you say if you bring in the people, the businesses will come. Well, if they can't find jobs here, they may move on or have to drive to another county. The zoning board claims ITT Corp had planned to have 500,000 people living in this town. Yeah, tear down more trees, okay? Look at KB Homes on Pine Lakes. There's no buffer between those homes there. You're tearing down trees unnecessarily. The underlying issue, though, however, is our roads can barely handle the current volume, let alone of increased population. We bring this up time after time again. Old Kings Road North just been widened, has not been widened still. They just repaved it. It still hasn't been widened. It's five years past due. We're looking at potential of wall-to-wall houses and traffic, and when we finally overpopulate the city with people in traffic, we should maybe change our name to Fort Lauderdale North. We could use more businesses and offices on the west end of town to keep traffic away from Walmart. 
As one of your members said, this council is supposed to do the will of the people and act in their interests, not what you feel. You do what you want without deeply considering the needs of the residents. You vote for what we don't want, but yet against what we do want. Several times a motion was made to, made to table a difficult issue to analyze the situation and find some better solutions before voting. But you all just went ahead and voted anyway, ignoring the residents' concerns. This is, this is not good. I mean, you're, I'm not going to say my other comment. <laughs> the survey says, preserve natural environment, protect small town character, protect small town character, protection of our natural resources, natural resources, workforce development, providing job opportunities. Whatever you do to this town, businesses or residents, we need more roads. We need expanded and modified roads, turn off lanes. Streets department doesn't listen. They just say, yeah, yeah, and they go on, okay? We need roads modified, and we need better access in and out of the city and around town. Thank you for your comment. Is there another speaker? Steve Carr, Palm Coast. Year after year, I come up here and talk about the increased traffic on the residential street of Florida Park Drive. Florida Park Drive is being used as a thoroughfare to exchange traffic between Palm Coast Parkway and Palm Harbor Parkway. The last count from the FDOT was 8,400 cars per day in this residential neighborhood, 60 feet from the bedrooms of children. I think this is really too much. One uh, Colorado uh, study said traffic health risk is from the elevated auto emissions near high traffic highways. It's a health risk separate and in addition to regional air pollution from auto emissions. Research continues to show that air pollution, particularly from automobile emissions, has profound effects on health. Another uh, study from San Diego says, children are especially vulnerable to automobile emissions health impacts because among other reasons, they breathe more air re relative to their body weight and then adults and are more physically active and spend more time outdoor during times when pollution levels are at their highs. Additionally, children have more years ahead of them in which the cumulative damage caused by the emissions can manifest itself in disease and disability. Current scientific studies says that automobile exhaust fumes have nano-sized particles which cannot be detected by normal air quality measuring devices. These damages are the immune system, the ability to kill viruses, and bacteria. We are experiencing multiple viruses now in, in throughout the world, and we need help to help protect our health, the health of the citizens on the and on Florida Park Drive. Twenty years of scientific studies have proven that harm of close proximity traffic to homes is very very bad. Convenience. As long as the city lets convenience be the way that this road is being used, people are going to use it for convenience as a shortcut. The city has to do something for it. It's not going to, residents are not just going to stop 
driving a convenient route just because other residents don't want it. The city has to do something about it. It's residents' health that we're talking about. So I just ask, what is a child's health worth? Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Uh, is there another speaker? Hi, I'm Roger Zolendick. I live in the C section on the Saltwater Canal. Uh, Fifteen years ago, I had a house built on a vacant lot, and the lot right next there was a lot next to me that was vacant. Well, for the last 15 years, I've been filling in dirt, which has been going from my property into the vacant lot and then into the canal. That's why the canals are filling up with sand. That's what they're all complaining about. Well, about six, about eight years ago, uh, I had the city come out and they said they can't do nothing. And then we had some engineers come out and they said it's undermining the my property from underneath was going into the vacant lot and into the canal. So I had to do something, and it cost me about 4000 bucks to have coquina rocks put into the vacant lot next to me. Not on my property, into the vacant lot. And the way I see it is all those vacant lots today, if they had seawalls, this wouldn't happen. And if it's happening to my lot, it's happening to other ones that live next door to vacant lots, other residents. So that's my complaint. So we need to, the vacant lots need seawalls to keep, and it's going to help out the city in the future because once you put the seawalls up and get rid of the silt out of the canals, there shouldn't be nothing going in there except a little bit that the sewers at each end. So it should solve a lot of problems in the future also. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Next speaker. Alan Lowe. About the saltwater canals, I've lived in Palm Coast since 1983, most of that on the saltwater canals, so 38 years roughly on the saltwater canals. The issue that a lot of people are talking about tonight is the boating and uh, having their boats and siltation and a lack of navigation and so forth. But the city of Palm Coast, on numerous occasions, has identified the saltwater canals as part of the strategic stormwater drainage system. We pay, we pay in our taxes and our uh, for the strategic for maintenance of the strategic stormwater, the swales, the freshwater canals, the ditches, and so forth all around town. There is no budget item for the saltwater canals, and the saltwater canals are part of the strategic stormwater drainage system. I have links, uh, if anybody would like a copy of the, of the links where the city has mentioned that. As recently as when former city manager Matt Morton was here, he put out a, uh, a request for an employee that had knowledge on dredging and was referencing the saltwater canals as part of the strategic stormwater drainage system. So we pay taxes. I live in the C-section. We pay taxes to help with the swale maintenance and the freshwater canals and all of that through the entire city. But we don't get it in our own backyard. And I'm not saying that we should have a, an increase in taxes or a special taxing district or anything like that. What we should do is start a line item now that we can 
begin to put a ratio of some, some amount of that stormwater payment into. We should look for grants, we should look around so that as we go down the road, we can have a scheduled time when we can dredge the canals. And we don't have to worry about the seawall so much because when you dredge, you dredge the center. And the sides can then migrate to the center. You overdredge the center and they can migrate to the center. So you're not dredging along the edge of a seawall or a dock or anything like that. You're dredging in the center of the canal. As we go on in time, uh, initially when I first moved here, the main canals were roughly 12 feet deep on average. Now, if you can find five to six feet, you're doing good. In the Cimarron Basin at low tide, you're hitting areas that are four feet deep. It's silting in fast, 12 feet to now, at low tide, four feet. And what's going to eventually happen is we're going to lose the flow of the stormwater drainage water out to the intercoastal and carry it away. So we really need to look at that. And also, uh, on a slightly different note, the, uh, I saw in some of the uh, news articles recently about an email that was sent out internally and uh, it had to do with the COVID situation, and they were doing a fish, phishing email to see who would click on it. Now, this was not only in bad taste, but in total disregard for those that have lost their lives, risked their lives, and been injured one way or the other because of COVID. To use it in this manner should result in improving authority, finding a new job. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Next speaker, please. Good evening, George Mayo, Palm Coast. Uh, recently, there was a controversy that I read about, about the IT department sent out a test uh, to see if anybody would follow it up. Uh, for years, I've been asking this council, are we ready and aware for ransomware? All it takes is one click. It could cost us hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Well, hackers and fishers with a PH don't always just ask the question, Ford or Chevy pickup. Giants or bucks, who's your favorite? They ask provocative questions. And at first I thought the IT department was a little crass, but now I believe they did the right thing because it's a provocative question that gets the clickbait. There is a series on Netflix called Clickbait, and the premise is a man is kidnapped, held for ransom, and he appears on social media holding a sign that says, I am a murderer, after 500,000 views, I will be killed. And it spreads around like wildfire, as does anything on social media. And you would think, oh, I don't want to see that. But everybody just keeps clicking. And soon enough, he's well past 500,000 views. The rest of the story is up to you to watch. But that's the whole thing. I believe the IT department got what they were looking for. They asked the provocative question so that somebody doesn't click on something like this to get us into ransomware. And I think it's important that they did that. According to the story, we got the answer because it said, the reporter said a couple people replied, is this real or is this not? And that's what you want. You want employees to say, question it, not just click it. Oh, that looks interesting. If it's political or, or anything like that, that's what can get us into trouble. So I don't think anybody should be punished. You can look at it that way, but I, I think it's smart. As I said, these are the things that are out there on social media that people are clicking. It's called clickbait. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Is there another speaker at this time? Hi. I'm a 
need three minutes. So my, I have two points. If you could just introduce yourself for me. Anna Stefanation. I'm here in Palm Coast for almost 10 years. Uh, my question is, we need more light on local streets. When I came here from New York, it took me two years, finally, to drive, when it's a little bit, like at night, to find my house it was very, not easy. This is first point. And second point, we kind of like disconnected with the world, Palm Coast. Like, if you want to fly to New York or whatever, you have to ask somebody to drive you to the airport or pick you up. And sometimes you spend more money on the car service on that than the airplane fare. And we have a lot of senior citizens who don't drive anymore. So it would be nice to have a bus, like to the airport, back to the city, and to the Orlando airport. So first, we can avoid the traffic, and it's help for senior citizens to have a bus to connect with the airports. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Next speaker, please. Good evening. My name is Monique. Um, I've lived in uh, Palm Coast since 2003, and I've seen in the last uh, two years tremendous amount of growth um, very quickly. I think more quickly than we than I would like. I think maybe some you know people have said this to me as well. Um, I don't mind growth, but it feels like our infrastructure should be improved before we keep building all these residential homes. It's like we're changing uh, commercial property to residential, building all these homes. Like this one that's going up around by our house in the W section and increasing, um, I think, all the traffic that that's going to bring. And I work out of uh, the area on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I work in Palaka. Tuesday, Thursday, I do things in Palm Coast. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the traffic is horrendous. And this is at 2, 3 in the afternoon. We only have 100. We have Palm Coast Parkway. We have Beltaire. I'm driving down Beltaire, and the traffic is unbelievable. And I'm like, oh my god, I just can't believe how bad it's, it's gotten. And... Um, and then all you can do is go to US 1, you know. We don't have much roads. And Old Kings, that's still, like the other gentleman said, Old Kings off Palm Coast Parkway. It's still not open. That should have been done years ago. And you get backlogged on that going north on Old Kings because it's still not widened. Just maybe putting a center lane so you're not stopping all the cars. But I go that way, and I hate going that way because it's like, okay, the traffic's all backed up, going over the overpass to get on the other side to the Old Kings and all that. And it's like, um, I just think that the, we need to slow down all this residential homes that we're building. I know we want to accommodate more people, but then also, then our taxes are going to keep going up. We have people that came here elderly to retire, and I understand, you know, we have young people too, and that it's going to come to the point where it's going to be unaffordable. There are elderly, retired people that are on fixed incomes. And so 
that's the you know it, I think then that makes it even harder and then how are they gonna how are they gonna survive and, and pay for things so uh, my only thing is just trying to slow down all this every time you turn around there's another development that's gonna be apartments or townhomes and homes and it's like we need to look at our infrastructure I think more in our roads and try to accommodate that first and then really can put a hold on all this other stuff that's just exploding in the area. And I've loved living here, but like I said, recently I'm riding more and I'm like, oh my gosh, the traffic has just gotten horrendous. So, thank you. Thank you for your comment. Is there another speaker? Hi, Mayor. Hi, Council Members. My name is Dean Doner. I live on Three Clinton Court South. Um, I just moved in a year ago, uh, and uh, my understanding with the canals is they were originally built by, you know, picking up dirt in the what will be a canal and laying it on the side of the canal in order to create dry land on either side. So I was surprised to see with uh, two properties recently being developed near my home, um, they cleared all the trees, and then, you know, six to eight truckloads of fresh dirt were were trucked in and, and laid on that property, um, which, you know, surprised me, because there's obviously a canal that's already filling in with additional dirt that could be readily used to fill in that land. Um, so what I'm asking is uh, simply to consider uh, some sort of mandate that any property developers make use of the uh, the dirt that's right there in the canal for them. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Uh, any additional speakers at this time like to come forward? Seeing not. Uh, yes, sir. I'm Al Pryor from uh, the Committee on Safety on Cimarron. I've got a lot of notes and meetings here uh, tonight, and I'm going to put those aside because I'm an old man that can come at 9 o'clock in the morning, and that's what I'm going to do. In the essence of time, I'll just put it all aside. But if you remember the last meeting in November, we talked about Cimarron starting a year ago. The process has moved great, and uh, I would like to say that I, I have to thank the city, I have to thank the council, I have over a hundred volunteers, they've all been fabulous. I want to take this time to thank them, but I also want to say that we've come a long way, and I could, I could take the rest of the evening, but there are more people that don't have the time that I do. And what I'm saying is, we've got a long ways to go yet. Danger on Cimarron is still increasing. There's, every lot is being built on. Uh, homes are changing hands. We've got construction trucks on and on and on. But on the other hand, we made a lot of improvements, but we got a long way to go. And I, all I ask, I know it's in process, and we're moving ahead on it. And I want to thank you people so much. I just, I couldn't ask for any more than what I've gotten from the city. The volunteers, the people have come out of the woodwork. 37 people came out and put together a 600 house to house. Uh, Petition. Uh, Mayor, you got a letter from the, uh, the, the sanctuary people backing it all. 
And this is more help than I ever anticipated. And that's why I'm so excited about it. And I just want to ask that we continue it again. And I think I always end this way again. I thank you so many times already. And you people have listed in the last year. Cimarron is a year old now. But we've, we've moved along. You've listened to over 30 presentations. You've been fabulous. And not only me. I only come in once a month. But I've been here at every meeting for a year. But uh, I'm going to be back in December. And then we'll continue with the review on what we did that first year. But tonight, I don't want to take that time. There's too many people here that uh, took their time out from work, and etc. tonight. So, again, I always end this way. I like living here. I've been here 20 years. I like this place. This is a good city. Again, thank everybody. Let's leave it at that. and Have a great holiday season. Uh, next week, or uh, end of December, I'll be back, and then we'll get into some of the little notes. <laughs> And, and a happy holiday to you as well. Are there any other members of the public that would like to address council at this time? Seeing none, I'll come back to council for a moment. Are there any members of city council that would like to address any particular issue raised this evening? Remember I said earlier, a notation has been made. Your comments will appear in the minutes of this meeting. Staff has been directed to respond to all questions and provide the information that we have available. But I offer City Council. Any member like to address a comment at this time? Councilman Barbosa. Uh, to Alcar, uh, what a great neighbor. What a great resident to keep on coming out here and helping people in his neighborhood. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for coming to all the meetings. Thank you. Anyone else at this time? Vice Mayor? No. I just want to add that uh, I think we should let staff respond to some of the people here regarding the dredging. Uh, when I mean staff, it's because they're the ones who technically know what's going on, especially our city engineering. Uh, if you ask me about dredging, I know nothing about dredging, to be honest with you. I'd rather leave it up to the people that know there's only one thing I know, <clears throat> and that's a gentleman that said something very important here that I didn't know, that we have 4,600 ducks. Is that 4,600? Just nudge, yeah. Did you say yes? 4,600? 4, ducks and seawalls. Okay, all right. I didn't know that, and I want to make sure that that's right. Uh, but the last we looked, we had <clears throat> less than 100 and some boats that need those canals dredging. Those people pay taxes, no doubt about it. And dearly, they pay a lot of taxes. But to do an FYDC dredging, we talking, for what I heard, and it's from a secure fountain, that's over $50 million. I don't know how we're going to do it, because, and that's going to have to come, because there's no grants for that. That's going to have to come from general fund. And the last amenity, the last amenity that we had to move, five hundred and sixty some thousand dollars out of the general fund, which already been there for at least two, three years, that already been allocated and put aside, we still heard about here today many times. So I as much if it was up to me, my friends, the dredgers would be there tomorrow. But remember. 
we're talking over $50 million, over, easily over $50 million to do the 26 miles of dredging. And you have a little bit more <clears throat> than 100 votes, registered votes, with long enough kills to navigate those canals. You're talking about over six hundred or $700,000 per boat that you're asking us to spend, which you're entitled to. Excuse me. Right. Excuse me. Which you're entitled to ask us for that. I'm not saying you're not entitled. By all means. This is the little I did. And I tell you, if my colleagues agreed that we should go out there and get along to do the dredging, I have no problem. But remember, there's quite a few other people out there. And that's what I'm saying. I want to be fair. Fair to you because you pay taxes. Just like I do. You, I want to be fair to you, but I couldn't go without letting you know about this. Thank okay. you. Thank you for your comment. Any other, <clears throat> any other comments? Yeah, yes. Yeah. I just want to um, address a couple of concerns that my friend, Councilmember Kino, raised. Um, uh, I think we need to also remember it's not just the folks that live on the canals that use them. There are boaters that don't live on the canals that use them. And I think it's a very special amenity that makes Palm Coast very, very special. It's also going to attract, as we bring in businesses, it's going to be folks that are in senior management. They're going to want to put a business here because we do have this amenity. So I think we have to consider that. We also, I, I think the problem is 50 million may be about right, Eddie. I don't know, though. I, I think the first step that we need to take is to, is to hire an outside consulting firm who does this for a living to come in, study our 26 miles of saltwater canals, and come back with suggestions to us. Perhaps there are grants out there from the feds, from the state. I don't know. I, I just, I'm not an expert like, like you are, not an expert, Eddie. Neither, none of us are, let's be honest. Um, but I think that if we start this process now, the sooner we start it, the sooner we can get a report back, the sooner we'll know where we stand and how to proceed Next, And I think that's what we, we need to do is rather than wait for a survey question, this is a huge amount of money. And if we let these canals fall, fill in to where they're not usable, it's going to hurt our city down the road. So I think the responsible thing to do is just to begin that process of research and to begin it as quickly as possible. Does the, does the interim city manager um, need uh, comment cards uh, from any of our public attendees that would like a response from their questions? Would that be helpful? Uh, thank you, Mayor. Yes, that would be. If you want to have feedback directly from staff, um, please get with our staff before you leave and fill out a comment card so we have your contact information. Good. And finally, for public... Councilman. Okay. I have a question uh, someone brought up, and I, I lived on a canal 20 years ago, and I believe that there was a canal maintenance back then attached to the tax. I don't know if anybody in the city could uh, answer that, or if there was one. It was so far back. We'll make that a question for follow-up. And last, last comment as we uh, come to the end of public comment, comment is that there is a citizen's... I'm sorry, did I miss you? Uh, Please. One comment. <clears throat> I just wanted to note, uh, in our city charter, and I'll be going into this later during our uh, comment period at the end of the meeting, 
that uh, line item 2A, one of the qualifications for the city manager, it requires us as a council to select them on the basis of experience, expertise, and management ability as it pertains to running municipal government. And that was one of my issues with the candidate pool that we had was brought before us and how we based our decision. I don't think we took enough uh, enough of a discussion around the actual legitimacy of having experience running a municipal utility and some of these uh, candidates that would qualified. <clears throat> Excuse my voice, it's hoarse, but I just wanted to respond with an excerpt from our city charter that dictates how we have to run the city. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so just to uh, finish off our public comment, um, with regard to the, uh, the um, citizen survey, those responses come back um, in the next uh, month, month and a half. So we should be able to expedite um, the discussion that we've had today with the beginning of a plan to acquire data to make a decision. I think that we're all in, have a consensus based on uh, the audience comments tonight. So I don't anticipate a long delay. We put that into place. All of us voted or, or came to a consensus to do that. It's coming back very shortly, right after the first of the year, so we can move forward with this conversation. So I, I think that's an excellent good. suggestion. Okay. Any last comment? Very good. Okay, with that, I will close public comment at this time. Um, I would now ask for an approval for the minutes of the City Council meeting meetings held on uh, November the 16th, 2021, a business meeting, and November the 17th, 2021, a special business meeting. I'll make that motion. I have a motion. Second. I'll second. And I have a second. All in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Now, in keeping with the theme of the evening, Council members. Whereas the Palm Coast Yacht Club is honored and proud to annually organize the Palm Coast Holiday Boat Parade, one of our area's major holiday events. And whereas Palm Coast Yacht Club, which offers social and nautical education activities for all who love boating, inaugurated the boat parade in 1983 and has been at its helm for the past 38 years. Whereas 
the 2021 Holiday Parade will respectfully honor the memory of former Palm Coast Mayor John Metz, who passionately and actively advocated for boating along our city's waterways during the eight years of leadership in our city. And whereas boaters and fans will be treated to the colorful and festive decorations adorning so many parade vessels led by the Grand Marshals of the parade. I'm honored Mayor David Alfred and Flagler County Sheriff Rick Staley riding in the M&G Pride. Whereas the parade begins at 6 p.m. on Saturday, December the 18th at the Cimarron Basin and proceeds south on the Intracoastal Waterway turning at the Grand Haven Gazebo and heading back to the Clubhouse Waterway. And hundreds of community members line the canals each season, looking forward to cheering a holiday tradition on the, water in, on the waters in Palm Coast. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Mayor and the Palm Coast City Council that Saturday, December the 18th, 2021 is declared as Palm Coast Holiday Boat Parade Day, signed this 7th day of December, 2021. Holiday Boat Parade, and as Mayor Alfin said, this is the 38th year that the Palm Coast Yacht Club has brought it to the parade to the city as our gift. This year is a new record. Palm Coast boaters have made this the biggest boat parade in Central Florida, and quite possibly the long, the largest community boat parade in the state of Florida. Because this year, as of today, we have 61 boats in carriage. <laughs> So on behalf of the club, I want to thank Mayor Alfin and the City Council for taking the time to recognize the parade and what it has become and what it means to the city. I want to acknowledge the assistance of Kendra Iannotti of the Mayor's Office and Brittany Kershaw, Director of Public Information, Jared Dawson, Recreation Supervisor, and Sheriff Staley and his office, including Commander Phil Reynolds and Marine Deputy Jeff Turner. I'm also indebted to John Walsh of the Palm Coast Observer for its generous promotional consideration, and of course the Florida Intracoastal Navigational District for its continu continued financial support over the years. And Commissioner Randy Sablesburg is with us And members of the Palm Coast Yacht Club are here with us today. Can you just come up and introduce yourselves? If you're a member, or if you're step not, up, you can step up. Members. get in line. I'm Danella Crawford. I'm Commodore of the Yacht Club. I'm Robert Julius. I'm a member of the Yacht Club. Mike Ferreira, member of the Yacht Club. 
Uh, this year, as we said, the parade is named in honor of the late John Metz, beloved two-term mayor of Palm Coast, instrumental in the growth of Palm Coast, and a passionate steward of our waterways. Priscilla, can, well, you're standing, so here. She's got <laughs> Our Grand Marshals are uh, Mayor Alphen and Sheriff Rick Staley, uh, and we thank Flor Flagler Broadcasting for its gift to the community broadcasting parade live for the third year. This year's co-hosts are David Ayers, Linda Cole, So what is the parade? It's the boaters. And here are a few of the captains who have been working hard to decorate their boats to make them beautiful beacons on our river of lights. Uh, please come up, introduce yourselves, and your boat. Well, don't be shy. Uh, I'm Al Cryer. Uh, I was in the yacht club, but they kicked me out many years ago because <laughs> my mouth is too big and I'm too loud. But I uh, know my wife passed away this last year, and uh, I just kind of, I got an old boat. I have the oldest boat in the parade. It's an antique. Uh, I'm the oldest captain. I'm an honorary captain. I have to have somebody else come with me now because uh, I'm 85 years old. I've been in 20 boat parades. And what these people do, everybody has just done an unbelievable job. And uh, I really feel guilty getting up here saying this, but if you can come and see this parade, it is worth it. You haven't seen anything like it. If you live on the intercoastal, have a party, have people over, uh, it'll just be terrific. i got to close my mouth. She said I can only, I can only talk 30 seconds. I'm Jim Potochik and a potential member of the Palm Coast Yacht Club. And I have been in the parade for at least 10 years. Started out with a 40-foot boat that was just, we had lights all over the place. I have now downsized to a 20-foot boat, 22-foot boat, but I'm still putting the same number of lights on. So you'll see us coming down. Bertie and Therese Jacobson, and our boat is called the Lucky Dog. Lucky Dog. <laughs> so, it's our first boat. And you will see our dog on there. Anybody else willing to introduce their, uh, their boat? Come on, come on. Kevin and Claudia Chase, this is our first year entering our boat. But we're going to build on it and improve. I mean, it's going to have a lot of lights and stuff, but, you know, we're, we're copying a lot of things other people are doing, but we're... We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've always gone to watch the parade. And that's it. He didn't know. want to talk. Yeah. And the boat is named the Sea Chaser. And so, Mr. Mayor and honorable members of the council, we thank you for your support and encouragement, and we look forward to seeing you on the water on the 18th. Question: um, How do you join the yacht club? <laughs> Come to dinner um, fr on Friday nights. Uh, we have there's you can go to the Palm Coast website right. and uh, join. There's many ways to do. It. Just come to dinner Friday night.
Okay, while while everyone is uh, while everyone is clearing the room, let me just let me just make my final comment. I feel privileged, and I can speak, I think, for my fellow city council members, that this is a special moment. This particular proclamation, I don't remember seeing such joy in so many recipients' eyes, spirit of the holidays, all collaborating together on one single amenity event. So I hope that we all enjoy this moment, mark it, and trust me that City Council will work to further this cause for the future. So with that, thank you. We now move to the uh, ordinances uh, section of the agenda. Um, just as a um, informational for our guests again today, before we begin, I want to make take a moment to discuss city council processes related to approval or denial of items presented to council at all business meetings. For each workshop. City Council receives a comprehensive overview of each item. At that time, it is Council's opportunity to provide opinions and ask questions on each item. Just as a reminder, items that are quasi-judicial in nature will require Council to base their decisions only on what is presented at the scheduled public hearings conducted at the scheduled business meetings. The purpose of a business meeting is for council to review and weigh all the evidence and take action with decisions based on all information presented, both at the prior workshop and today. And with that, we'll have our first ordinance, which is a second read. If council would uh, read the ordinance for us, please. Thank you, Mayor. This is the Ordinance 2021 Redistricting Council Districts. An ordinance of the City Council of the City of Palm Coast, Florida, relating to the redistricting of City Council Districts in accordance with the provisions of the Charter of the City of Palm Coast and other applicable law, providing for legislative findings and intent, providing for the adoption of the Districting Commission Report, providing for the revision of the four City Council Districts, providing descriptions of the new city council districts, providing for the adoption of the city council district map, providing for codification and inclusion into the charter of the city of Palm Coast, providing for severability, providing for conflicts, and providing for the effect of enactment and effective date. Thank you. Staff has a, a brief presentation or comment. 
Mayor, uh, we're just here to answer any questions uh, you might have, that the council might have. I'd just like to point out that the chair of the district and commission is here present, Mr. Mike Martin. And also, we also have another member of the district and commission who is also present, Mr. Fernando Melendez. So if it, there are any questions, we'd be happy to, uh, one of us will be happy. Are there any members of city council that have a question at this time? I think we are. We the only comment, again, I would make for those that may not have appeared before is that the um, the selected committee um, uh, unanimously approved the selection of the redistricting map. So with that, I would uh, ask for a, um, is there any public comment uh, regarding the redistricting map at this time? Seeing no one coming forward, come back to City Council. Any further discussion? Move to accept. So I have a motion to I'll accept and a second. Okay, any further discussion? All in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Any opposed? Does clerk have the... Yes, thank you. Very good. We'll move on to uh, ordinance first read, and if council would... Uh, Read the title for us, please. Yes, this is an annexation of property for US 1 Whiteview Parkway from the WAM Group property. An ordinance of the City Council of the City of Palm Coast, Florida to annex property to be included within the corporate area and city limits of the City of Palm Coast, providing for the annexation of approximately 30 acres of property described in Exhibit A attached to this ordinance and lying in the areas proximate to the existing city limits of the City of Palm Coast. Flagler County, Florida, providing for annexation in accordance with the voluntary annexation provisions of Section 171.044 Florida Statutes, providing for annexation of real property, amendment of corporate city limits, providing for rights and privileges resulting from annexation, effective annexation upon land uses, providing for effect on ad valorem taxes, providing for effect on businesses and occupations, providing for severability, providing for conflicts, and providing for an effective date. Thank you, Councillor. Mr. Papa. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, good evening, Mayor and members of City Council. Uh, what we have before us tonight is uh, the an, an annexation of a 30-acre parcel that's located on the west side of US-1. As you can see from this uh, overview map, it is at the western terminus of Whiteview Parkway. And so there's a small 30-acre parcel there that is really surrounded by uh, properties that are already within the city of Palm Coast. And so we have the WAM Group, Inc., who filed a petition for their annexation, for the annexation of their parcel. It's currently undeveloped. It is within the utility service area, and probably hence the reason for their petition to annex and that they would like to get service from the city, utility services from the city. And I will just show on the next map that, uh, again, uh, the area in yellow shows uh, where the parts of the utility service area, and so this 30-acre parcel is within that uh, utility service area for the city. Uh, reviewing this application for consistency with the criteria for uh, annexation within Florida statutes, it is contiguous to the city boundary. It is compact and not part of another incorporated municipality. It, it is intended to be used for urban purposes and does not create a municipal enclave. So staff is recommending the annexation of this parcel at this time. 
Um, I'll go first to uh, to City Council. Are there any questions uh, about this uh, this ordinance read? It seems like our provisions are working correctly in the order of operations that they're coming to us to receive uh, service from our water utility, which is required by our provisions. And I'd just like to say thank you for them handling this in the appropriate order and not trying to run a water hose from Flagler County into their property. A little bit of a joke for the. I would just ask uh, Council um, the requirement for annexation. If you could just refresh our uh, our memories on that. Of course. So the requirement that Mr. Pappas um, mentioned, as far as in our uh, our local laws, is that to get utility service within our area, it requires annexation. So that's our code requirement. As far as the Florida statutes goes, when making this determination, as far as whether or not a property is eligible for annexation. Uh, a determination has to be made as to whether or not the property is contiguous to the municipality and it's reasonably compact with the municipality and the resulting annexation does not result in an enclave. So a donut hole. Think about a donut hole that's surrounded by other areas of the city. They still pay taxes here in Palm Coast once they annex it. Yes, they so will. So in non-legal in, in non speak, we have a requirement and an obligation to provide the utility service to uh, to this property. Yes. Very good. Okay, I will ask, is there any public comment regarding uh, this ordinance read at this time? Seeing, seeing none, I will close public comment. Any further discussion by City Council? We'll, we'll approve this voluntary annexation. I have a motion to approve, I'll second it. and I have a second as well. All in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Any opposed? The clerk have the vote. Thank you. Moving on to the, uh, the next uh, resolution, if uh, council would be so kind. Of course. This is the resolution for the Florida Firefighter Cancer Decontamination Equipment Grant. A resolution of the City Council of the City of Palm Coast, Florida, accepting a grant award with the State of Florida Division of State Fire Marshal for the purchase of firefighter cancer decontamination equipment, authorizing the city manager or designee to negotiate and execute the necessary documents, providing for severability, providing for conflicts, providing for implementing actions, and providing for an effective date. Is there a comment by staff on uh, this ordinance? Chief, can you make a, a comment for us? Before we start, it seems like obvious. I just don't want to take that for granted. And we all love seeing you come up when you're decked out like that. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, good evening, Mayor and Council. This decontamination uh, equipment, basically, it is a very large washing machine. Um, what it does is it takes particulates from, of cancer, which is created from combustion, from house fires and, truck, and uh, vehicle fires, and it extracts it out. We wash the, equipment, the, uh, the bunker gear. Once it's decontaminated, it gets dried in our dryers, and then it goes back on the truck. This is a major component of our initiative for cancer awareness and cancer reduction in the fire service. Uh, we started doing our, our uh, assessments about eight years ago and found a few members of our department that did have cancer. It was treated early, and they were back to work within two to three weeks. If we look at this, um, th this extraction unit, the, the decontamination takes place, and it keeps all the particulates out of the cab when the firefighters are driving to all types of calls, including medical calls. 
Um, any particulates that are on the gear gets bagged up after a fire, um, gets secured, goes back to the fire station, gets thrown into the extractor, and, and it moves forward with that. It's a matching grant. We would have to provide about $3,000 for the total cost, um, and, and it's built into the operation budget. Very good. Chief, thank you very much for the explanation. Question from... Uh, <coughs> I was just going to thank Chief Forte uh, for educating me years ago uh, upon our first election about the removal of the carcinogen process and this decam decontamination, how critical it is uh, for the health and safety of our firefighters. Uh, the decontamination has to occur, or else these carcinogens carry on their equipment. They get back into the truck even after it's clean. Now they're back in the truck. So this is a tremendous initiative, and I'm thankful for the education that I received because when I thought of firefighters, I thought of them putting out the fires, not what happened afterwards. You were paying attention. Paying attention. <laughs> That's awesome. If you are not safe, we are not safe. True. Thank Any you. other questions? I'd like to make a motion to approve. What's that? I just uh, out for public comment. Um, any member of the public like to uh, comment on this item? Yes, sir. Robert McDonald, Palm Coast. As a retired firefighter from New Jersey. I wouldn't care if this equipment cost a million dollars. Buy it. But my only question is, is it going to be available in every house in the city? And are we going to have extra equipment or extra equipment to clean this gear? Because you all know that in a very short time, we're going to be building somewhere in the city another firehouse. It's going to come. It has to come. But my question is, I want to make sure that it's available in every house in the city. And if it isn't, Put it in the house. Chief, do you want to respond quickly? I, I feel I'm obligated. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Initially, we had one extractor at Station 25. We recently added a second one at Station 24. This, sec this extra one will be at Station 21. So that we'll be within five miles of any fire station that they could take the gear to and, and extract. Is that okay, Bob? 26 will have, an, have another extractor in it. How long before they were all in all the houses? Within five years. Very good. You okay with that? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Chief. Uh, any additional uh, comments? Um, any members of the public like to come forward? This, please, please. No, no other comments. Um, I would ask for a motion. Motion approved. I have a motion. Second it. And a second. All in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Any opposed? Clerk has it. Very good. Councilor. Yes. Next item on the agenda, item number six, is the recapture enhanced value grant for GUP Motors, LLC. A resolution of the City Council of the City of Palm Coast, Florida, approving the recapture Enhanced Value Grant Agreement with GUP Motors, LLC, authorizing the city manager to execute the agreement, providing for severability, providing for conflicts, providing for implementing actions, and providing for an effective date. Good evening, Mayor City Council. Jason DiLorenzo, uh, Chief Development Officer. Um, you'll remember this presentation from a 
approximately six weeks ago or so. Um, I'm going to run through the early sections of it um, quickly. Those are just a, a reminder of what a REV grant is since it's our first time using one. And then we'll get into the particulars of this uh, recapture enhanced value grant with Gut Motors. And the owners of the company are in, in attendance? They here. The, they are here right behind me, the Santoro family. And uh, they're going to come up and uh, say a little something when we're, when we're finished. Uh, so this is um, Council Priority uh, Business Friendly Number 4, or B4, uh, which is to create a business recruitment program and develop incentives through in-house resources. We came to uh, the Rev Grant process by working through our lobbying firm, uh, the Southern Group. Uh, Jacksonville and Lakeland are two cities that have used the, this, uh, the Rev Grant uh, process successfully. And uh, Jacksonville currently is expected to produce about 535 uh, jobs at a cost of about seven uh, and a half million dollars in their current rev grant program. This is how a, the, a rev grant works. Uh, it, you provide uh, a minimum jobs floor for eligibility. So the company that's coming in or that you're willing to provide a grant to uh, states that they will have a minimum number of jobs. Uh, we, then the, we monitor annually uh, for compliance to make sure they're, they're meeting that, uh, the minimum. Uh, grants are made back to the uh, company from the property taxes that they, at they pay. So they pay their property taxes, then a negotiated portion is returned to them for grant-related activities. And um, they're negotiated on a case-by-case -case basis depending on the type of business it is and um, the, t the uh, number of jobs that are being created. So uh, today we're here to talk about um, Ground Up, and uh, literally Ground Up is an American success story. Um, you'll, you'll hear from the family themselves, but uh, they're an e-commerce distribution for GM muscle car parts. They were founded in 1990 in Long Island, and they started in just a 500-square-foot uh, facility. Uh, and they've um, been able to grow that business over time, uh, moving to a larger facility in Connecticut in 2004. Uh, they expanded again to another uh, facility in 2010, and now they're relocating to Palm Coast uh, in the 60,000 square foot uh, two commerce building, the former uh, Widman building and uh, City Hall. Uh, that's the uh, aerial of the, uh, the building itself at two commerce. Uh, the company's experienced uh, strong growth over the last two years. They invested over $4 million in the purchase of the property and the build-out uh, uh, to open. They are currently hiring. They are ready to open. They've moved the business here, and uh, they anticipate starting with approximately uh, 30 employees. They'll be building up to that uh, as they uh, relocate from Connecticut, and they have plans for uh, future expansion at the facility as well. Uh, this is the meat and potatoes of the Rev Grant here. So on the left side is uh, um, uh, Ground Up's requirements, and on the right side is the city. So they're going to maintain this as their primary location. Uh, they're going to maintain a minimum of 25 uh, jobs, and we've included a transition period as they move uh, the business from Connecticut. 
Um, they will provide the city with an annual uh, grant re uh, report that will include the uh, current employee count, their anticipated change in employment over the current year, the grant-related activities and expenses uh, over the past year, and uh, how they plan to expend the grant-related activities in the future year. And uh, they only may expend the grant funds on the expenses allowed in the, in the agreement itself. And uh, the city will um, provide a grant equal to 75% of the city portion of ad valorem taxes uh, for a five-year period starting uh, this March. Here are the allowable expenses of the grant funds, uh, reinvestment in the facility uh, to grow the taxable value, uh, hosting of a regionally advertised uh, car show, um, supporting Flagler County Schools in their STEM programs or CTE programs. Um, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're into cars, right? So supporting and promoting traffic safety programs uh, or sponsor or participate in a city event. This is uh, a breakdown of what it will look like in the first year and the estimated total cost. So the 2021 ad valorem property taxes at two commerce are 12,912. Uh, a 75% grant would be a grant back of $9,600. And a five year estimate depending on uh, property tax growth would be 50 to $60,000. <coughs> Uh, City Council, we, um, we have a, a change that we'd like you to consider uh, from the actual agreement, and this is on page 70 in your backup. If you look at section 4, it says that we will pay out the grant in 60 days. We found that to be in conflict with another timeline that we have in the uh, agreement, and we, we worked uh, with the Santoro family, and they've agreed that a 120-day payout will, is acceptable. So any motion that you present today, we'd ask that you please allow us to make that change in section 4. Duly noted, it'll be spoken in the, in the motion. Okay. And that is it for the presentation. I will take questions, or, uh, or if you don't have any questions, we'll ha invite the Santoro family up. Yeah, invite them up. Yep, I would. I'd like to invite them up. Oh, I would like to make a comment real quick while they come up. Uh, I'd like to say thank you to our economic development department for searching for new ways to be able to attract businesses to our area. The first Rev Grant is, this is a, you know, a ceremony and memorial that this is the first time we're doing this. And thank you uh, to the Santori family for the additional uh, transparency that you have to provide. And sometimes it can be a hassle dealing with these intergovernmental incentives, but this is far superior in my opinion than just providing a blank check without any checks or balances on the back end of this. So I wanted to thank you and I wanted to wish you the best of luck. You can count me in for your car show. I'm a big car guy and I support what you guys are doing. Great. Uh, we look forward to it. So, <laughs> so may I ask the family to uh, to make a comment for us? Sure. Ken Santoro, President Founder, Roundup. Good evening to all. Um, first of all, if I'd like to thank uh, Palm Coast. Uh, this has been a long journey for us, close to three years in, in making this decision, making the move, the logistics. Uh, the whole process has been overwhelming, and I both have to thank my wife, Liz, and, and son, Jack and Joe. This is Jack. Joe's not here right now, but... It's been a huge, uh, a huge gamble, and it's uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. I can't thank enough Jason. I, I have to tell you, he he really sealed the deal. We looked at personally. I looked at over 100 uh, properties and buildings to look at, anywhere from Jacksonville to Palaka down to uh, uh, Stewart. Uh, and really, no matter what 
or where we looked, it just, Palm Coast just came back and floated to the top. But unfortunately, it was a little while to, to find something, but, but finally this building came available. We had a lot of people on our side pushing for us, and uh, in March we closed on the, uh, the building, came to fruition, and, and we couldn't be happier. Uh, I want to extend my, my thanks again out to, this, to the city and the, uh, the staffing at Palm Coast, because I've never experienced such a, a, an easy transaction from the building department to the fire marshal. Everybody was there to help. It, it was a phone call away. Um, it, it's such a difference from what I'm used to coming from New York, where you would go into a, a meeting like this and you would be clenched fists and clenched teeth. So, again, I wholeheartedly thank everybody in Palm Coast, and, and we're so proud and happy to call it home. So we, I can't tell you how much we appreciate your comment, and just to reinforce what uh, Councilman Klufus said, and you said as well. So <clears throat> I've had the, the privilege of you are the third business that I have talked to in the last month that has made a decision to live, shop, work, and play right here in our Palm Coast. You are the definition of be local, and we will make sure that we find your neighbors and residents to buy local as well. And can't thank you enough, so I can see the smiles on everybody's face. I'm sure it's, it's the right thing to do. So uh, congratulations, and uh, thank you for coming. And thank you. Thank you, Palm Coast. At this time, are there any uh, comments from the public? Yes, sir. Finally, I get to say something positive. <laughs> I'm excited about this, this, this business because I'm a car guy. I don't own a car. I, I build model cars, so, but I know all about the muscle cars. Uh, this is great. It brings a big, nice business into town. Not a, little impact, not a lot of impact on the surroundings. It's, uh, the building's already there, I believe, isn't it? Okay. Um, they, um, the car shows. Put them on Saturdays, please, because we go to church on Sunday. That's what I want to say about that. And I hope that your expansion will include other makes. We have a lot of people, you know, Ford, maybe Mopar parts. I know you're specialized in GM. That's cool, but you can do that. And I'm glad you're going to support the high school. I just hope that they maybe include a some kind of shop program that kind of get the kids interested in, in automotive and mechanics and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. So it's great to have it. Thank you all. Thank you, guys. All right, good. Thank you for your comment. Any additional comments at this time? Seeing none, I'll come back to City Council. Any final? Make a motion to approve the recapture and asset value agreement with the GUP Motors LLC. With, with, with a change in the timeline from 60 to 120 days in on the record? Four. I'll second that motion. And we have a second. Uh, all in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Any opposed? Does the clerk have that? I do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, sir? Yes. The next item on the, on the agenda is number seven. It's a contract for purchase and sale for JDI Palm Coast LLC. A resolution of the City Council of the City of Palm Coast, Florida, approving the contract for purchase and sale with JDI Palm Coast LLC for the land donation at the Palm Harbor Golf Course to include the driving range. Authorizing the city manager to execute the necessary documents, providing for severability, providing for conflicts, providing for implementing actions, and providing for an effective date. 
Mr. DiLorenzo, do you have a spectacular presentation <laughs> for us? I have a short presentation on a very exciting short item. spectacular is yeah. all I'm looking for. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mayor, City Council, Jason DiLorenzo, Chief Development Officer. Uh, this is the Palm Harbor Golf Land Donation Agreement, and uh, most of you will know that um, the city doesn't own uh, all of the property at Palm Harbor Golf Course. There is this hole uh, in, that's depicted on the map here that's owned by uh, JDI Palm Coast LLC. And um, this, uh, this portion was uh, previously, um, previously planned in the MPD to have 16 multifamily buildings on it. Uh, including on the driving range where nine of the buildings were to be located. And this is the concept plan from that MPD uh, showing the uh, all 16 buildings in a future clubhouse uh, as well. The problem with this uh, plan, uh, and this was an old Centex plan, uh, was that um, that would have el eliminated the driving range at Palm Harbor completely if the uh, buildings were the nine buildings were located on the current driving range area, and it would have significantly altered how go golf operations would work. Uh, that was back in 2005, and as we've moved forward more recently in 2019, we were working with uh, JDI on some other concepts and we got um, close to this one which or, or something similar which would have located uh, buildings on the um, uh, more to the west and left the driving range open but we couldn't come to a, a final agreement on that that was going to uh, have a significant hardship on the owner compared to the previous um, plan obviously they wouldn't have uh, the same value for the property and um, so we have been talking with them for quite a while and they came up with this concept to um, provide the land, uh, a land donation um, for uh, federal tax relief, a, a donation to the city of the uh, value of the property. And how the agreement will work is the city will receive all 16.32 acres uh, the, that was depicted in the map uh, the donor uh, will donate all of the rights, the title, and interest in the property to the city at closing. And uh, we will pay the title insurance policy, which is estimated between uh, about $3,000 to $4,000. We don't have a final number yet. We'll know that at closing. And, um, and as part of the closing, the city will acknowledge um, the donation of the property on a, an IRS form number 8283, which um, literally says this is a, uh, a land donation. Uh, and that is the entire thing. I don't think I was very exciting. I, I might be losing my energy. Well, well, well <clears throat> let me help you with it. That just coffee for, was a while ago. Let me help. <laughs> let me help you with this just for a minute. So, donation. I, I heard that word very loud and clear. <coughs> so, this is probably the city's best holiday gift that certainly I can remember in a very long time. And let me tell you why. So, the Palm Harbor Golf Course enjoyed. 52,463 rounds of golf, a course record last year, which we are on track to surpass this year. Number two, in the fiscal year 2021, 
$1,404,883.08 was the revenue. That's a significant number for a revenue-producing amenity. We just celebrated the 50th anniversary of the Palm Harbor Golf Course, which makes it significantly older than the incorporated city of the Palm Coast. So not only is it a good deal, it is about as near and dear to us as anything could be. So are there any questions from City Council? Mayor, if I may, just one more thing there. I just want to uh, let Council know that there, there are, there's no strings to this uh, agreement. They are literally donating the land like to this. us for, yep, for, their, for their tax benefit. And if you had any questions of the owner's representative, he's here. I, I let, let me just say something about this. I had quite a few meetings about this project <clears throat> with uh, city manager Dan Matthew Morton. We had to go there quite a few times. I lost many nights of sleep over this. Trust me when I tell you. I never brought it up much because <clears throat> I didn't want to make a stink out of it. This gentleman, what he's doing for me, it's hitting me right in the heart with goodness. Because this golf course basically is useless without that, uh, without that ranch. We had an expert coming here trying to come up with ideas just in case if we couldn't get that, uh, that ranch. I had meetings with people regarding this. And I couldn't tell them anything because all I knew was that we were semi-negotiating with this gentleman. And now to hear that he's giving it, my heart's full of joy, and I think this is going to be some Christmas presents to the city, and I think we should thank this guy because if he's doing this, and I believe he is, just for the federal tax relief, I mean, no-brainer. And thank you, Mr. JDI. I don't even know his name. I never met him. But uh, JDI, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and just so everyone understands, uh, Mr. DiLorenzo, how long have you been working on this particular project? I think from when I started. I don't oh. know. It was right after I... So how long? Two and a half years. Yeah. Two. So just so the public understands, uh, projects like this are, in fact, going on behind the scenes. There is a machine running all the time. And this is the kind of thing that our city staff is able to bring to a conclusion, cross the finish line for the benefit of all of our residents here in the city of Palm Coast. So we thank you. I just want to add that I'm the one who got myself involved with this. It's not that I was asked to be involved or anything. I was the one that was going almost on a daily basis. Matt, Matt, what's the story? Matt, we have this golfers after me. And they were, but in a good sense, though. In a good sense after me. And I said... Let me help you guys. Let me find out. Let me find out. Let me find out. Pressuring Matthew for this, and I think the work started there. That was other things behind it, but they're absolutely irrelevant at this time. I just want to thank JDI once again. Right.
Very good. Thank and you. And if I could, if I could emphasize and second the comments that uh, Councilmember Rankino made, the facility is so phenomenally run. Our staff does such a great job there. I'm responsible for at least one round every week of those fifty thousand that we've had this year, <laughs> and the level of camaraderie amongst the staff and the individuals who take advantage of this amenity. It's out of this world, and without that driving range, it would fail to be the amenity that we're making it today. So I just wanted to say thank you, and thank you for staff for working so diligently behind the scenes to get this done. And saving the green. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on this uh, resolution at this time? Yes, sir. No golf tips allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious, George Mayo, Palm Coast. Um, does the city have any plans for this property? Do we plan to expand the golf course or just leave it natural? Or, or is there anything in the works, anything we thought of? Thank you. Mr. DeLorenzo, uh, any comment to that? Nothing at this time. Very good. Okay. All the comment? Well, I, Jay Livingston here. I actually represent the landowner, but... Um, to, to the comment that was just the question that was just asked, I think it's important to know that there are no restrictions, as, as Mr. Lorenzo said. There isn't like a requirement that this has to main, remain a golf course. It's for whatever the city wants to use it as. Um, and normally, when I come before you all, it's more of as an advocate for a project or something. So it's pretty special to be able to deliver this one to you because I think I played my first round of golf on that course in the 90s before there was a city. And my oldest son has gone to the golf camp there for three summers, so I spent a lot of time on it. So this is an exciting thing to bring to you all. Nice. Thank, I, I thank would you. like to be the one thank you for coming. this motion, if you don't mind. Um, if you don't mind, I would like to make this motion. Please. Let's let's have at it. Just can we close public comment first? Yeah, are there, I'm sorry. Are there any other uh, members of the public that would like to make a public comment at this time? Seeing none, I will close public comment. Thank you, Councillor. And I would ask uh, Vice Mayor Branchino to make the motion. Approve this resolution, approving the land donation agreement with JDI, Palm Coast, uh, at the Palm Arbor Golf Course to include the driving range. I think we should let Councilman Burkino also second that motion. <laughs> I don't think I could, but I would love to do that. I'll do it then. There's a backup, okay? So the clerk has a motion and a second. Uh, any further discussion? All in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Any opposed? The clerk has the vote. Thank you. Next item on the agenda is our consent agenda. I will ask the public, are there any items on the consent agenda that would a member of the public would like to pull at this time? Seeing none, I think I'm backwards. Are there any members of the City Council that would like to pull an item from the consent agenda at this time? Seeing none, I would ask for a... Um, um, I'll make that motion. I'll second it this time. There you go. Councilor Dwight. We're good? Yes. Okay. Sorry, there's a motion and a second. I we have a motion. Does the clerk have a motion and a second? All in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Any opposed? Clerk has the vote. Good. At this time, we would invite the public again for public uh, participation, um, as we do at the end of 
of each meeting. Are there any members of the public that would like to address the podium and City Council at this time? George Mayo, Palm Coast. Uh, in today's article, in today's USA Today, which I get, um, we're always, somebody's always up here talking about the homeless situation and the problem and how to fix it, how to address it, what we can do, what we can't do, etc. cetera. Uh, this has a picture of what they're doing in Denver, Seattle, uh, California, other places. The city is donating or using city-owned property and or there are donations of land from private homeowners. And what they are doing is setting up little tiny villages, of tiny houses ranging from 60 square feet to 300 square feet with utilities, only as on a temporary basis because some people want to remain homeless and that is their prerogative. Some people through loss of income, loss of job, loss of family are find, find themselves homeless uh, through no fault of their own and have nowhere to go. And they are building these in gatherings of four, five, or six with utilities to, so people can uh, live in there and get back on their feet, whether it's to find another job or find family or, or whatever it is. And I'm just thinking long-term, this is not something we're going to take up in the workshop next week, but this could possibly be something that the city could look at uh, and think about, building tiny homes for people. Uh, they're vetted, et cetera, but it is a temporary situation, not a permanent and the, as I said, it's from 60 to 300 square feet, so it could be for uh, single people. They have a story in here about a veteran who lost his job and went homeless and was living in his car. He lived there for less than a year and is happy to f say he got a good job and now is getting an apartment. So it's stories like this that maybe we can help people. Like I said, we've talked about this and talked about this both at the city council and at the uh, uh, Flagler uh, yeah, uh, commission meetings. Uh, maybe something to think about, whether we have land that we could do this for somewhere to help uh, those of us who are less fortunate. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Are there any other members of the public that would like to make a public comment at this time? Bob Beck. Um, just want to follow up my previous comment. Um, I know that I made a request. I know that you know it takes much discussion. One thing I would ask the council or the Park and Recs Department to do once the fields are open end of December, um, at least unlock the soccer goals. You know, have a chain on them right now. Even when the fields are open, many times in the fields that are closing the trails unless they're being used by one of the rec programs where the coaches have to unlock them. They're locked up with the padlock. The kids can't go to the fields to use the soccer goals. So I don't know why they're locked up. They're pretty big for somebody to go steal. And I think it would be, you know, kind of a apparent, you know, if you saw a truck driving down the road with a big old soccer goal. Um, but that's one thing I'd ask is while you had the discussion, when the fields reopen, unlock the... Uh, goals for the kids. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Any other members of the public would like to make a public comment at this time? Seeing none, I will close public comment and now I will ask uh, city council members 
if they have items they would like to discuss uh, for matters that are not on the agenda. Yep, I do for sure. First. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so as we probably know by now, I've been reviewing uh, the city manager applicants, and I looked at all our decisions on who we wanted to try to sort out as being the select few that we would bring back in. I think we landed on a number that was six, right? Uh, the number four was tossed around earlier, but we had brought it down to the top six. <clears throat> and after reviewing their credentials, I was trying to assess a comparison between what we received when we went out to <clears throat> try to find our, our previous city manager, uh, which ended up with the search returning Matt Morton. But the pool of candidates provided had a much higher and substantial number of managers and assistant city managers that had dealt with the city our size and our budget. And that was something that I was really taken back by with our choices was the size of the municipalities that these people, uh, that these applicants were managing or co-managing at certain points in their career. Some of them were villagers, uh, villages, I guess those would be the residents' villagers, but villages, you know, under 10,000 people. Uh, so I'm not certain that the expertise uh, Speaking from a position of experience up here, the problems that we have today facing before us as a city with a $250 million budget are substantially different than a city with 10,000 people, uh, you know, with single stoplight in their, in their city. So I'm not suggesting uh, anything at the moment, but I'd like to put a motion on the floor uh, that we reconsider going out for a city manager search firm and uh, to have that motion on the floor and see if I get a second for further discussion. I will second it. Excellent. So you could further discuss. Yep, so I can continue discussing. So I have a motion and a second. Could you clarify your motion for me, please? Yep. Uh, my motion would be that I don't think we disregard the current candidate pool and the individuals that we had shortlisted, but I think it's worth discussion and having staff go out and see what an RFP would cost for a city manager search firm to conduct a search and the timeline that they would be able to return something to us. I think that if we had a secondary pool of candidates, potentially we don't return any additional candidates, but this is a decision that is so important to us. And now all of us have dealt with a city manager. Uh, you know, they're the CEO of our city. And I want to commend Denise Bevan for leading the ship so well that we can sit up here and I have the confidence that maintaining the bus as it's going today is the wheels will not fall off. We have had, you know, success after success, fortunately, with Denise leading, leading our city. So I think that it's a prudent uh, responsibility of us to make sure that we have the correct candidate pool. And by going out for a city candidate, uh, city manager candidate search firm uh, to see if we get another pool of candidates uh, is very prudent. So my motion is that we go out for RFP and see what is returned for a city manager search firm. And we don't eliminate the current candidates from the applica application pool because it's a very valid outcome, a possible outcome that we do have the, the best candidates and that they were returned with our internal search, which I don't want to degrade at all. I think that was a tremendous exercise that we all you know, participated in. It was a learning experience. Um, but, yep, that's my motion. Uh, <clears throat> Councillor, is the motion acceptable um, as stated without a timeline? Yeah, long-winded. Sorry, should I, should I make it more brief or is that acceptable? No. Does it, does it require a timeline? So, um, I think we need to just pare down the motion a little bit so we know exactly what it is. So, what I'm hearing is the motion is to direct staff, for the council to direct staff to go out for RFP to find a search firm for the city manager search. However, at the same time, retaining those candidates that have previously applied as into the candidate pool. Correct. The ones that we have shortlisted, the six that we have shortlisted. Right. Yes. And 
so is there, as the mayor asked, is there a direction for time frame for staff to do that? I would like to see staff uh, start the RFP process uh, upon approval or denial of, of the motion. Oh, okay, so immediately? Yes. Okay. Uh, Vice Mayor, you oh. made a, a second. That motion, the language has changed. Does your second still hold? Yes, uh, would still hold, and I would like to add a comment to that. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so I have a motion and a second. Now I will open the motion up for discussion by City Council. So okay. you jumped in. Uh, we had 81 applications. I read through most of them <clears throat> because some of them you know when you have a mechanic applying to be a city manager there's a mistake there somebody's not doing the right thing and after we're down to six people actually I think we're down to about three right now three if I'm not mistaken <clears throat> uh, and when you start reading into some of those you get disappointed. I was here the last time we did this process, and the process worked. Mind you, the only thing I would probably do different is the people that apply for this, they can apply again. One of the, one of the people that I spoke with on that application, because I called some of them, uh, the guy says, I'm sorry, that's too little money for what I have. So, and, you know, and the guy spoke to me about experience, and he really wanted a better, you know, you're not going to get a decent person for that type of money, at least with what I want. Because basically, one of the things I will not relinquish, personally, is an MBA. I will not. I think someone, to run a city like this, to make $160,000, we deserve not just experience. We deserve an MBA. That's all my opinion. When it comes time to vote, I'll vote accordingly. <clears throat> so that I wanted to add that uh, we we gotta come with some education. We don't want to bring someone that, as you said, small little towns, twenty thousand people, ten thousand people. We are a big town and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So please keep that in mind, my friends when we decide that we are gotta go we gotta go up there and we may have to ante up a little bit in order to get a decent uh, a decent person. <clears throat> Thank you. Okay. City Council, uh, uh additional comments? Um yeah. Councilman Danko, go ahead. Number one, we made the decision unanimously to conduct this process as council. I think we should proceed down that route. I don't think we should go to an outside agency at this point and spend money. I think we have, we went from six candidates that we picked. We all picked five. Um, we overlapped, three of us overlapped on one candidate, which was good. Um, other candidates, I was surprised someone didn't overlap on. One candidate is the previous mayor of the city of Erie, Pennsylvania. And that's a mayor-mayor job, not a city manager job. He was elected twice, bigger city than Palm Coast. I had him in my list. It, he didn't come up in anyone else's pick. I read through, I read through every single one of these things, and I, I see what both Councilman Burkino and Klufus 
suggestion, there were certainly some people there that should not have applied. But I think we're down to four qualified candidates. And I think all the folks that went through this process donated their time and their efforts, and we're now down to four finalists who are waiting and prepping to be interviewed. I would suggest that perhaps we go through with this interview process first before we proceed any further and give these, these four folks an opportunity to present themselves to us directly uh, before we make any other decision. And if we're not satisfied after that, then we certainly have the ability to go in another direction. But I, I just think that we made a decision, we took on the responsibility, I, I think we did it all together as a group. Um, no one dissented from it. We may have had different, certain personal requirements, um, you know, which is understandable, but I think we owe these four people the opportunity to come here and be interviewed before we move any further. Okay. Councilman? Well, what I heard is we're going to have to spend a lot of money to get this out there again, and then we're going to have to raise the salary to get more qualified people. When we have whatever amount, six, six, I thought it was six before, they already agreed to the salary in uh, doing this. Uh, we're going, we're backtracking instead of going forward. I think we should stay on on course because we want a city manager. We need one, ASAP. That's it. I have a question. My understanding is two of the six dropped out. Is that correct? So we have someone here who can answer that. Because I thought I saw an email for two of them that have dropped out. We have uh, uh, the director of HR will answer it correctly. Thank you, Renina. <clears throat> we actually have three that have dropped out. So uh, one of them has called me and assured me he was interested. However, he has not responded with any information. Who, who is the third one? Um, Moy. Okay. Do we so know, we're down to three then. Do we know the reasons that they dropped out? Two of them, I think, already had other positions. Two of them got jobs, and if we delay these other three people, and, and, you know, all three of these people, I believe, are qualified. We all picked them. I mean, um, but I think if we delay these three people, we might run the risk of losing them. And I would say, I would just suggest that we delay this motion, Mr. Klufus, and give these three an opportunity to come here and be interviewed, and then we can have this discussion. But I, I'd hate for people to perceive us as not being able to do our job, and also for these candidates to say, I don't want to mess with Palm Coast because they pulled the rug out from 80-something people already. Um, I, I just don't think that's right. So I, I, would, I would suggest that maybe we delay this and do the interview process. Don't forget that we still have one thing at heart. We got to get what's the best for the city. Sure. Even though we all voted for that, remember, we voted, we tried to. We tried to save that money. I think it's $30,000. Right. But sometimes $30,000 or close by could cost us a lot more. A lot more. Uh, and uh, I still believe that we owe to the people of Palm Coast and want to get the best candidate. I read through some of those and I cringed. 
I still think that the people that applied can still apply. Okay? They could still apply. We are not without a city manager right now. We have a city manager. And this guy will take, will take at least a couple of months before he come up because he has to advertise. We want the best. If we're going to facilitate, if we're going to ease up not getting the best, we're not doing what the people from Palm Coast wants. I'm not saying that you're wrong or anything. I'm just saying that people of Palm Coast wants the best. We owe it to them. And after seeing the qualifications and the education, may I add that? Because I'm well, very hard on the MBA. Okay, after seeing all of those things, that's the reason why we should let the pros pick up the pros, and then we choose the pros, if I make sense. Um, I, I don't, I, I hear what you're saying, Councilman Burkino, and all I'm saying is let's do the interviews, let's set them up fast, let's meet these candidates. I know one of them, but I don't know the other two, and I want to hear what their background is from them, what their vision is for this city, and all I'm saying is let's do the interview first, and then we can come back, and if we say, you know, out of the three, we're not happy, then we can move forward. But I think we owe these three people an opportunity to come and present themselves. I don't think that's asking for much. <coughs> I think, um, you know, backtracking something that we already approved and voted on, it's not the right way. We, we uh, all voted on this. Everybody agreed. We're here now. Let's get it finished. Yep, and, and I would say that my one regret is that I didn't bring this up more uh, sternly at the comments when we picked our top five, which ended up being the top six. I tried to throw in a comment that, you know, potentially if we didn't find someone in the search that, you know, filtered out between all of us that maybe we don't go the route of picking out of these. We go back to the city manager candidate search firm. And I would say that, you know, it is my one mis I honestly believe that I should have stood up sooner and argued that the, looking at the pool of candidates that we weren't able to come to a consensus on, I was certain going to that meeting that we were going to have at least one candidate uh, that was going to receive all five uh, of our nominations to come back. But I also don't relent my, you know, we all we all have a power up here to be able to admit that we made a mistake, and I will and I will say that. And this is the opportunity to right that mistake. That the three individuals I think certainly still uh, deserve a chance to come before us and present their case and. We did end up here because of the decisions we made, myself included. But I think this is a point in time where we can still put the brakes on a situation and take a step back and realize that if we're not, you know, being as prudent as possible, we may potentially miss out on the candidate that is the right decision for Palm Coast, and potentially that doesn't occur at all. But I think this is a, a big moment in time because the CEO of our city is going to be selected and just taking a little bit extra time and Maybe perhaps the route is an RFS where we can ask staff what would be the fastest route to uh, turn this whole thing around to be able to get uh, proposals to see what we're dealing with. Um, but I, I don't think that this is a juncture where I'm comfortable in saying I made a decision, and even though I wish that I had the ability to take a step back at that time, uh, that we have to push forward with the decision that we made. So that's my stance. I, I, you know, My one regret is that I didn't stand up more firm at the time, but better late than never, and here we are. So, Councilman, does your uh, does your motion hold? Yep. Okay. So there's a motion and there's a second. Um, I have I have two comments. <clears throat> I spent a great deal of time uh, as of late with the 
Florida League of Cities who provide a counseling mentor service um, for just this area. They advised me that we did, in terms of mistakes, miss the mark on salary. We are not competitive with salaries for what I've heard described as the best of the best. That leads me to believe that if we were low in our salary advertisement, that we may not have been given the opportunity to review all of the best of the best candidates that might be available. I'm also hearing, and I understand, that the current selection of candidates would receive an interview and be as competitive with any other that might show if Councilman Klufus's motion is approved. The other comment I heard was delay. <clears throat> I struggle with a balance between delay and settle. I'm not hearing from staff, and Renina, I'll look to you now, if this process would be significantly delayed. Um, are we talking about adding 90 days? Um, you would have to answer that for me. Right. We would need to go out for an RFP. I think that would be the fastest solution. And then um, those people who put in a bid would come back to council and they could do a presentation. And normally it is, they, they like to advertise for 30 days. So once you made your selection on the, uh, the firm that would represent us, then you would move forward, you know, okay. probably 30 days to advertise and then you would be discussing you know, your qualified candidate. And lastly, uh, my, my final comment uh, before I call for a vote is <clears throat> we did receive criticism from advisors within the uh, League of Cities that we did not have a detailed or thorough list of qualifications in advance of our advertisement for the position. What they told me was the best process, the most transparent process, and the process that we will be most proud of is for us to agree on a finite set of qualities and characteristics and experience and designations and other elements, and then we will match those qualities to the candidate. The candidate that most closely matches that list would be the pick of, of choice. So I listened to that carefully, and we basically have proceeded and done the process a bit backwards. I'm mostly concerned about making sure that the process is correct because to the councilman's comment before, I think the correct process does deliver the best candidate that we can all be proud of. We so, went through this process before and used an outside firm. It didn't turn out that well. And for us now to spend and I'm sorry, Councilman Aquino, I disagree with you, and we can respectfully disagree, but I don't think it turned out that well. Um, 
we're going to spend an additional $30,000, and I would guess we're going to take a month to get a firm, we're going to take another month to get an ad out there, and then we're going to get another 100 resumes or 90 resumes and take a couple months going through that. Meanwhile, we have three candidates that have jumped over all the hoops. All I'm suggesting is, before we move forward, let's do our interviews. We could set those interviews up pretty quick and just do the interviews and then see how we all feel. We may all agree at the end of the interviews that, yeah, we need someone else, but at least let's give them the respect they deserve for getting into this process. We selected the qualifications as a group. We voted on it. We all agreed. I, I don't think we should go backwards at this point. We may need to later, but I'm just suggesting let's conduct the interviews first. Maybe someone will blow us away. Maybe not but let's give them a chance. I appreciate your comment. Uh, any final comments? Uh, one, one more comment. Uh, the process that we went through last time was very educational in the sense that the search firm came back to us and they provided a ton of details about the landscape of uh, the city manager occupation at the time. Uh, <clears throat> I'd be curious to hear from someone whose full-time job it is to be in a city manager you know, search firm. No disrespect to our HR, but this is you know, their... You know, this is what they do, and to see if there's any changes in the landscape, especially after everything that we've been through uh, through the pandemic on requirements or salary ranges and, and what's expected of a city manager applicant when they're coming to a new city. And I also have a bit of a different perspective, although I completely recognize and accept everything Councilman Tank is saying. I think it might be more... Um, Flair, uh, fair playing field if we had these interviews all at the same time so that we could allow one of the three potential candidates to you know, rise like a phoenix out of the candidate pool and be able to you know, show that they definitely are the right one. And I may be more uh, drawn to a candidate that's willing to embrace that role uh, to go up against wh whoever they are going to be put up against and believe that they're the best and that they'll rise above. Um, but I respect your perspective, and I think that this could be an educational process as well to let us all get on the same page of uh, what the city manager occupation landscape is across the country right now. All right. I appreciate everybody's comment. Everybody has had an opinion, and I think everybody has had a good uh, chance to share the opinion. So I will now uh, call the vote, and I'll ask for a roll call vote, please. Uh, Vice Mayor Bronchino. Yes, to, uh, for the outside agency. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Barbosa? No. Councilmember Danko? No. Councilmember Klufus? Yes. Mayor Alfin? Yes. The motion passes three to two. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, next item on the agenda is. Uh, we, no. We're still in um, Councilmember comments and items. Oh, I'm sorry. Not everybody. I apologize. Yeah, we just started. We've only had Councilmember Klufus, <clears throat> I believe. All right. As to me, I just first I would like to thank the, the Santora family. They're no longer here, but want to wish them a Merry Christmas and thank thank them for coming by. Uh, <clears throat> 38 uh, 38th vote parade. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. 600 votes. Oh my goodness, that's good. Uh, and uh, the workshop on uh, December 14th, uh, due to family reasons, I'm unable to be present, and I would like to uh, ask my colleagues if they would allow me to be present on that workshop via Zoom. I don't know. 
Goodbye, May. No, it's fine. Additional comments by City Council. I apologize for cutting everybody before. Yeah. I think uh, we had a ethics complaint that just finished on a certain councilman. And it worries me because there was no, no outcome to something that I seen happen. And we're supposed to protect the residents of the city and our staff. This certain councilman up here on the DS verbally and grossly attacked the new city manager. Aren't we supposed to be here for the safety, for a good working city? How can we do this? Who made this ethics complaint finished without even interviewing witnesses? It's pretty sad. Because what I saw, it was bad. Verbally and almost physically, if I had not told them, if I had not told them to cool out. The next day, I went up, and, and this was to a worker that had just stepped up to help us fill in a position a city manager. The next day, I went to her office and I apologized for this person. And she started to cry. And I told her, please get in touch with the city attorney and if you needed to use me as a witness never got contacted by this ethics complaint. How, are, is this happening to all the other complaints? Are we not supposed to be here for safety of the workers? It's sad, and it's wrong, and it's a disappointment. That's it. Councilman, you finished. Councilman? Well, I'm going to respond to this. Number one, there were three ethics complaints. I was found not guilty of any of these ethics complaints. They conducted their investigation. That was their job. Um, I don't know what else to say, but actually, Councilman Barco Bar Barboza. Ah, well, me, Councilman Barboza should take up Joe Mullen's offer of a free plane ticket to Costa Rica, and let's see how that Order works ordered. out. Councilman, direct your comments to me. No, I'm done. Finished. I'm done. Finished. I do have one council comment to make. <clears throat> I am pleased to share that the University of North Florida graduated today with a white coat ceremony right in these chambers, its very first semester class of town center. I can't tell you what a wonderful milestone that is to have seen those shining, bright, happy faces. These are graduate nursing students who will now be available to serve our community here locally. 
So another example of how we are working to cure the economic development and provide opportunities for those younger residents of the city of Palm Coast. I would look forward as well for our city council to be leaders and to set the way forward for all of these students that come before us in the future. That concludes my comments for city council. Does the city attorney have any final comments this evening? I have nothing. Does the interim city manager have any comments to conclude? No, Mayor. Thank you, City Council. Can I just say Feliz Natal? With that said, I would ask for a motion to adjourn. Motion. motion to adjourn. Second. Second. Okay, all in favor, aye. Thank you, gentlemen.